So we're going to talk about joy at church. And uh, this comes out of Ezra, and uh, we may think, well, what do we mean by joy at church? The, tonight is a joyous occasion. We celebrate um, baptism together. And if you haven't seen a baptism, you don't know what baptism is, you're expecting uh, that, if you're thinking that's a, 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 a mighty big tub for a baby, um, come tonight and find out how it's done um, properly. So uh, we're going to, there's a sense of joy around that. But I also want to weave in some of the things that we talked about at the church meeting. Lots of you were there. Some of you, again, might have seen the video of that. And I'll try and say things differently and weave it all in together. I discovered that a a number of churches are looking at Ezra at this time because the book of Ezra has a, a lot of resonances with our experience at the moment. It's not that I intended it particularly because Ezra was the book I was meant to be doing. And I did actually start it slightly before the pandemic. But when I realized that we were going to come back into church, it was a no-brainer to go back to Ezra, and I restarted it. Because it's about people returning to the temple that had been knocked down, returning to Jerusalem. There had been wars. There had been foolishness. They had got themselves in a right pickle. They ended up in a different country. And God, through miraculous ways, allowed them to return and to rebuild. And they begin to rebuild the house of God. And we looked at that all over the last few months. The, the comings and goings are difficult. Is they give up, they get discouraged, they leave it for a few years. Uh, but uh, then we read uh, that um, uh, Darius, the new emperor, has reaffirmed their permission to build the temple. And so it is completed. And we read these words. So the elders of the Jews continue to build under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the descendant of Ido. Now, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we looked at a little bit of um, Haggai. If you watch my John series, you will, uh, on, which is just online only, um, you will have spotted that I did a little bit of Zechariah because um, we did Palm Sunday again in Advent because that's just, I just do it to irritate people. Uh, but that's where we were in John. So these prophets were communicating. They were in this moment, and they were preaching. And I just was struck by this, this thing, that it was uh, the preaching and teaching. If, we, if you go back and you can find them online, you go back to the Ezra, we looked at Haggai. It was the words that were spoken to them that got them back rebuilding. Uh, Pastor Clumpet's sermons have been shown to nurture faith and holiness in most Christians. Some may experience mild to serious side effects, including pangs of guilt, anxiety, drowsiness, anger, crying, sighing, and intermittent head nodding. I certainly am able to generate drowsiness. If that's of uh, any an issue for you, do you have trouble sleeping, I do recommend my videos to help you. But why is preaching necessary? Now, you, in a sense, are the converted because you've come. You you may have come for the worship. You may have come to meet people. You may be just at this very moment slipping away gently into a a moment of drowsiness and and non-paying attention. But you will know people who don't see the value or the point of church coming. You will know people who don't see the point of watching a sermon online, who uh, flick in and out of our call to prayer, uh, have it on in the background, uh, enjoy the mistakes, but then don't click the next button to watch one of our sermons. So why is preaching and teaching significant? I want to just say three things that you might find helpful to say to somebody else. 
when you say why they should listen to a sermon. Firstly, we learn what we didn't know. And you don't know what you don't know until somebody tells you you didn't know it. The Bible was always meant to be taught in community and explained. Only in the last 150 years have we developed the idea of people looking at the Bible on their own at home. That wasn't really the concept. And there is value in looking at the Bible at home, real value. It's really a good thing to do. But I think it's always meant to be alongside an explanation of the things that we didn't know. Because otherwise we just read and we don't know what we don't know. But secondly, we hear what we wouldn't hear. We know increasingly because of the disclosures around Facebook and the way the internet works that we get fed things that we think we will agree, that the, the providers think we will agree with because that way we will stay on and watch it and they will get the advertising revenue. So they are not going to send us things that they think we don't like. Now, I don't go out of my way to say things that you don't like. But I think sometimes, occasionally, God wants to burst the bubble and say, I want you to look at something in a slightly different way. Or I want to challenge the way you've been going. And certainly in my life, there are a series of moments where God has intervened and challenged and corrected and usually that's come from a word from somebody else. And the, the most comfortable way is through a sermon because it's very awkward when it's said one-to-one. -one. <laughs> and so the Bible being taught allows us to hear what we wouldn't hear. And it inspires us to be reminded of things that we know, like that he's our refuge, like that he lovingly greets us, that he scatters fear and gloom. It reminds us of things we know, but... It inspires us. Now, you're the converted because you're here. Uh, but maybe it's just praying for those for whom Christianity is a one-minute app on the phone, a verse that pops up and gone. And we want to just pray for a deeper thing that happens. First of all, I'm happy to see that so many have enjoying the new streaming in our services online. That's how I feared we were uh, a little bit earlier, but we're, we're good, we're good. It's great to see you here. My next study in John went up, and I'm only going to put this photo up for Kath's benefit because I know she likes to see the pictures that I've put up of me. This is uh, today's John study. There is a reason why I'm wearing that hat. Not a very good, there isn't, no, there's a tangible explanation as to why I'm wearing that hat. And uh, looking at what the Bible means when it says something is a sign. If you haven't discovered the John series, can I encourage you to do that? Can I encourage you to share it with somebody? If you, re if you listen to one of them or you watch one of them, they range between 10 minutes and uh, 25 minutes, depending on the subject. If you find one of them good, post it to somebody else, share it with somebody else. We want to teach God's word. It's part of what we're about as a church. That kind of stuff has required tech. It requires all kinds of people coming down and filming stuff with me. It doesn't just happen. It's a community thing that it creates. 
A week on Sunday, we're going, a week on Monday, a week tomorrow will be our cafe church Christmas special. And again, we want to say things to people who ordinarily might not choose to hear those things. We want to encourage. We want to bring life and faith. But maybe that's something you could say, well, I'll, uh, let's come down together to the church. Or for those who uh, that's not safe for or it's not wise to do or not comfortable to do, let's watch this together. Why don't you come around or we'll watch it together and text each other as we're watching it. It's a very informal thing. They were transformed by the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. I believe that when God's word is explained, it can transform. And they finished building the temple according to the command of God and the decree of three different emperors. They did it. They finished it. They completed it. And we talked again in one of our things, uh, earlier sessions, about the value of completion. And we read on, they finished building the temple, the temple was completed, and the people of Israel, the priests, the Levite, the rest of the exiles, celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. Now, you may remember that they uh, laid the altar first before they built the building, some years before this, and that was a mixture of joy and tears. <laughs> this is just joy. It means happiness. It wasn't that they were doing it with a person named Joy. It wasn't that they invited Joy over and said, Joy, will you come to our dedication? It was that they were joyful. What was this dedication? They were saying, we set this aside for you. This God is your place. We are offering it to you. They were giving it to God and saying, here is this building. They were acknowledging God's ownership over it. You dedicate something knowing, uh, 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 sort of acknowledging that it's his. You're saying, this is yours. This is God's place. And they wanted it to be used for God. And we've uh, done that kind of thing a number of times on a Sunday, but it just seemed appropriate to me to use one of the dedication prayers that we've used before because many of us have joined us since that first Sunday. And I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer that we found uh, at Lord Abbey where uh, the staff have been on retreat in the past and where I think Instep were there uh, recently. And uh, it's a lovely prayer of blessing. We used it when we renewed this building, when we came back on our first Sunday. And it's uh, fantastic that so many of you are here this morning. I want to invite you just to dedicate, but it's not just to this building. It's this community. It's this people. If you'd like to pray this with me. Almighty God, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place. Here, may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. Here, may the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. Here, may the tempted find help and the sorrowful find comfort. Here, may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. Here, may the aged find consolation and the young be inspired. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So they dedicated 
this temple to God. And they did so with joy. Why were they so happy to do it? Why was it so great? And I ponder that as a church leader and think, well, how, how do I make that an experience in a sense for people as being part of this church community? They probably had in mind this kind of passage from uh, Chronicles, the dedication of Solomon's temple. Splendor and majesty before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. And that word joy is translated here as strength and joy. It's the same word, so it's kind of expanding it. The, the, the joy that's being talked about isn't a sort of hysterical emotion of excitement. It's something that is sustaining. It's a strength and a joy. And it was costly. For the dedication of this house of God, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, 400 male lambs as a sin offering for all Israel. 12 male goats, one for each of the tribes of Israel. We, uh, that would be costly for us. If I asked you to bring next week a bull, it would cost you a fair amount of money. Actually, that's a parallel. It was a costly thing for them. They didn't have bulls just lying around. That was a precious thing. A significant thing. And they offered a hundred of them. Now, I don't know that my, my bovine cattle knowledge is weak. I don't know how many cows you have to have to have one bull, but a hundred bulls is a big amount of cows, isn't it? Cattle. I think I'm going to be corrected at the door. I can feel it coming. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Now, why? was this expensive offering given. Now, there is an element that it was an expression of repentance. It's called the sin offering. And I'm going to explain that next time because it goes a bit deeper into that. And I'm going to do that the next time I look at Ezra, which may be after uh, Christmas now. But what I want to just draw your attention to at this moment is that they were acknowledging that they could make a sacrifice that was financially difficult because they were acknowledging that God was the giver of all that they had. That these rams and bulls and male lambs were already gods. And they were releasing back to him what he had given them. And that's an important concept in the sense of offering. They gave the first, they gave the best, they gave what was costly. And they were trusting that God would provide for them in doing that. They were trusting that if they gave to him the best, he would give to them. And they were expressing their thankfulness. They were expressing all the goodness and thankfulness that they had. And then we read on that they installed the priests in their... I've got a couple of priests up there for you. Uh, they installed the priests, the workers. They set aside some people to devote themselves to the service of the, of the temple and the people coming. They set them aside. And uh, that, that's, if you weren't at that service, Paul will explain to you why he was doing that and why I was doing that. Um, workers set aside. They finished building the temple and they dedicated with joy. 
We've looked at this before, but I want to just remind you that the New Testament takes this concept of the temple and it applies it first to Jesus and then to his body, the church. Don't you know that you yourselves, and you yourselves is the plural. It isn't you individually, it's you community are God's temple, that God's spirit lives in you, and you are that temple. We read in Ephesians that the Jesus is the, uh, uh, pulling together everyone to build his holy dwelling, that you and I in community are the body of Christ, which is the temple of God, that this is a temple meeting, not because of the buildings, but because of the community, that each one of us is a living stone, building the presence of God in Sutton Coalfield, building the presence of God in the West Midlands, and now allowing people to come into whatever gatherings they are, whether they're the midweek activities or whether they are the events uh, on a Sunday, or whether they are in formal gatherings at a school gate or in a home or in the park or at a barbecue or whatever it is. It's the temple. It's God's dwelling that's there. It's the presence of God among us. At our, going back to our church meeting, we were delighted that we were able to welcome four folks into membership or being partners with us as a church, meet, as a church. joining the body, committing into the temple, and members of those who believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior, which is the question that we will ask Beth tonight and that she will give assent to. But they are, members are also those who are committed to this particular expression of Christian faith, of making disciples through making sense of life together and sharing the love of Jesus. And they are then those who commit to partner in these ways that we explore on living the life. If you uh, want to know more about what it means to be a member, more involved with this, come and join us on a Wednesday night with Living the Life. Come and speak to me and we'll get you in. We've got some pudding and then we chat and talk and we explain these elements of church. So these are the folks that came into membership. Now we used to be able to have them at the front and hug them and uh, welcome them and we would do that corporately as a group because that's what we believed it was going on. It isn't about the minister welcoming them, it's about the community. We can't do that for lots of health reasons. So if you know these folks, uh, elbow them and say, welcome to the church. You're now a member, uh, and that's great. Some of them are here this morning, Kate and Cherry and Enzo and Mary. But they installed priests. They set them aside. And in our church meeting, we also talked about the costs of our church, that we have premises that require upkeep, and that we have tech and resources that enable us to reach out beyond the people who are able to come in and to ensure that what we do is relevant and visible and understandable and makes sense. But that we do set people apart to support volunteers through admin or members of staff who give the extra hours that we, many of the activities that we do, we couldn't do alone on volunteering hours because people have families, people work, people have children to look after, uh, people have uh, elderly relatives to look after, people can't give the number of hours that we uh, want to do. And so we set aside some folks and we set aside some who have, have trained, like myself, uh, and studied and prepared and, and bring some professional skills as well. And these things are costly. And uh, the, 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 they gave 
to the house of God. They gave their bulls and their rams, and we give. We stopped taking up an offering in our services. We felt that uh, many, many, many of us were doing giving in different ways, that we would uh, perhaps make a different signal to the community if we pr presented our giving in a different way. But a church dedicated to God brings joy. And I want to explore for a moment what that means. It means that there is a community that's safe. It means that there is a community that's dependable. It's there. It sticks with us. It stays alongside us. Some of us are alongside very difficult and painful situations. And it, it will be easier to walk away. But just as a building is dependable and doesn't go away, so God invites us as a community to stay here. We've stayed on Falcon Lodge and Second Thoughts for uh, over 25 years. Dependable, reliable. Activities that we do, dependable and reliable and accessible. We want to be a place that's open. The doors are open, they're glass. People can see in, people can hear, people can walk into what we do. And this is important. We want to be a place that inspires. Inspires hope, inspires faith, inspires action, inspires change. And so this church community, this temple place, is a place of a number of things. And I began to unpack this in the church meeting. You, if you've seen the video in the church meeting, you'll see the evolution of a sermon. So Tuesday was rough and round the edges. Uh, now is still rough and round the edges, just different, differently rough. Um, but we want to be a place of witness. We want to be a place that shares Jesus. Shares Jesus this Christmas. We want to be a place. What have I done with my leaflet? Here it is. This is you can find out the real meaning of Christmas among us. We want to be a place of welcome. We want to be a place. See, the whole thing that I've often said so many times is people assume that church is for Christians and you can't go to church unless you're either religious or good and preferably both. And actually, we want to welcome people of no faith, people of different faith. We want to welcome them into and expose them to the love of Jesus. I had a great email this week from Moira, and uh, this is some of what she said with some photographs. She talked about Luncheon Club, which meets on a Tuesday. You may remember we were doing Meals on Wheels. We were sending out food to vulnerable folk on a Tuesday. Uh, and then as the, the pandemic eased, we started to invite people back. In September, there were 16 on that first Tuesday that returned. We're currently full with 32 uh, elderly and vulnerable folks coming on a Tuesday. Six are collected on the minibus, two by car. If you're around on a Tuesday and you'd like to drive for us, that would be brilliant. Folks come in first, some of them come first to open door and come and again meet and mingle and chat and stay on. So it's a whole morning and day for them. And we're still providing some meals delivered to the housebound. We want to be a place of welcome. We want to be a refuge. We want to be a place where people can come and find strength. We want to be a place of support. And supporting people isn't always easy. It can be difficult and uh, painful. Sometimes listening is what all the people need, but it's hard to listen 
we want to butt in with our answers, or perhaps what we're hearing is painful. We're hearing the same thing we heard last week, and it's hard. But the presence of God is one that wants to draw alongside the vulnerable and the weak. And they were uh, celebrating that this building was there for as a witness. It was a building that stood in the middle of the, the on a hill in the middle of the, the land and said welcome. And it was a place where those who were in need would come for refuge, come for help, where the priests would support and listen. It, it, would be, it was a place physically of refuge and support as well as uh, emotionally. It was a place of prayer. We want to be a place of prayer. We want to pray for people. We, we're delighted that so many people ask our church to pray, whether that's expressed in the email on, uh, that comes out on a Friday. I hope you get the email. I hope you scroll down and see the prayers and pray for people. We get lots of people saying, could your church pray for us? We get folks um, coming into the church, filling in a little card, being prayed for or with. And we want to be a place that provides food. We thought about the, the uh, luncheon club a few moments ago. Lots of you uh, have ordered um, the, or bought the, the, the calendar that um, Dave put together in support of our food bank. Over 500 pounds has been raised by that. It's fantastic. Our food bank is uh, under colossal pressure, colossal pressure. We're going through about 2,000 items of food a week. Um, you may remember, I said this at the church meeting, you may remember when we started doing harvest for our food bank, the harvest gifts would last until Easter. This year they were gone by the end of the week. If you are able to encourage friends, neighbours, do a collection in your office, in your school, in your street, if you're able to gather folks to collect food or monetary gifts, it would be fantastic. Christmas things this year, if there are anything that... Uh, Advent calendars or whatever we probably don't need now because we've, we're in Christmas, but mince pies for the next week. Don't bring them on Christmas Eve. No good to us on Christmas Eve. This week, if you're able to bring any stuff in, if you're able to do more to support our food bank, that would be fantastic. The church community, the temple was a place of learning. We want to be a place of learning. We talked about that already, where we want to share and teach the Bible. We want to proclaim salvation. We want to proclaim grace. It's really important to us to bring the good news of the, the angels, the good news of Jesus to all folks. And that's why we want to encourage you to take these leaflets and share them this Christmas. The temple of God was a place of worship. It was a place where people gathered and were encouraged to give thanks and encouraged to celebrate. It was a place that inspired people on, but it was costly. It was a costly thing for them to do. And we've talked about that already. But we want to acknowledge that being part of the temple of God has a financial implication. We're going to share over the coming weeks some details of our Christmas Day offering. We're going to actually, those of you who have missed the offering, come on Christmas Day, we're going to have a real live offering. We're going to find the baskets, don't know where they are, we're going to find them, we're going to blow the dust off them, we're going to have one offering on Christmas Day uh, for the work of Open Doors, and you'll see details of that coming up in the next week or so, but Open Doors, which supports the persecuted church around the world. 
But at our church meeting, we talked about our budget for next year. And uh, we, uh, it, these are big figures. Uh, are the money that we're going to spend directly and the money that we put into other funds like the 25% that we give away or money that we get in, put into the youth fund or, or things like that. Uh, coming to that total figure of £691,000. Unless you think that's unrealistic. How on earth could a little old Sutton Baptist Church raise that? Just be aware that this is what we think we're going to raise this year. It's a colossal amount of money. So privileged to be a part of church that is so generous and so grateful to you for the, those of you who give. But from time to time, about every three or four years, it, it, it's right for me just to give a little uh, explanation that we need perhaps a review. And that if you are uh, someone who's set up a, a, an amount that you give and you set it up two or three years ago and adapted it, if you are able to adapt it for this moment, because we need to increase our giving by around about 10%. And some people will say, how on earth can a church afford to do that? Well, we've got some contingencies that we will do. If we don't make that money, we're not uh, unwise. There are things that we can pull back on which we really, really don't want to do. But one of the things that I do, uh, and I've done, been here for a number of years where we've had this figure before. We needed to raise 10%, uh, sometimes 12%. It happens every three or four years, as I say. One of the things I do is I take the amount of money that we give, and I assume, I know I'm a little bit naughty, but you know that's the true anyway, I assume that everybody's tithing and everybody's giving a 10% of their income. And then I work out, okay, that's what we've got, and this is the number of people that are coming and giving. Uh, so are we near to, if we times it by 10, are we near to the average income of Sutton Coalfield. And if we're not, then I, I, I breathe a little sigh of relief and think, okay, I think we'll be all right. When I did that little mathematical figure, I found out that if all of the, those who give are giving 10% of their income, or all, sorry, all those who come to the church are giving 10% of our income, and the average income of our church is £15,250 per annum, which is uh, £2,000 less than the national living wage. In other words, we're all on income support. I don't think that's the case. So I'm optimistic that we are able to make a few adjustments. Some of us will maybe be able to make an adjustment think, actually, I haven't adjusted it for a few years. I can do that, and I can help other people. Because there are some of us who can't make adjustments. There are some of us who can't make any uh, difference at all, because we're right at the maxed out. What we approximately need is £150 per attender per year, which is approximately £2.93, less than, as John would say, uh, less than a cup of coffee. Uh, the last time we had to make this announcement, it's less than a cup of coffee per week. But maybe you could buy several other people a cup of coffee. Maybe you could give. Maybe actually you thought, you know what, since we stopped having the offering come round in the basket, I've completely forgotten to give. You can, if you want to give by cash, you can do that through envelopes and talk to, to Mark and he'll explain how you can get involved and do that and that way we can get gift aid back if that's appropriate. But if you're able to set up a standing order, that is absolutely brilliant. We need, if not £2.93 per person, we need 31 new givers. I think what we're going to really want is a bit of both. Some of us can give a bit more, some of us need to stay where we are. Some of us maybe can start. Please, will you just pray about this? Not so much for you, but will you pray for the heart of others 
to do what's right. I don't want anyone to give any more than they need to, but I do want us all to do what is right and what God asks of us. There's various ways you can get it out. There's the box that you'll see that's just on the right-hand side where you can put anonymous money in, cash in, or envelopes in. If you want to make a gift, you can go to that and find it online. But if you, you, there's also the, the opportunity to use your card. Please be aware that anything you use with a card or uh, through the, our website, there is a percentage, 1% or 2% that the credit card company take. So if you give a standing order, it's 100% the best way. Or if you give cash in an envelope, it's 100% the best way. Um, but please do give in whatever way if you are able to do that. We want to be a place of encouragement. We want to share the love of Jesus together with our community. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to rejoin me and we're going to uh, reflect on a question or two for a moment and then pray and worship. What joy can we give at church? How might we be a part of bringing strength and joy to others through our welcome, through our worship, through our friendship, through our listening, through our prayers? What can we do to give strength and joy? And I want to invite us all to dedicate ourselves to that, to come and be part of a joy-giving community. And then secondly, and I put it deliberately that way around, what joy have we received? Because it's not about what we get primarily. We get most when we give. It's what, have we, what can we give joyfully? And what have we received that we want to give thanks for in the moments that we've got to do that? And thirdly, are we dedicated to church? Is this a hobby? Or is this our family? <laughs>